Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 17 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Beanbag Trader. And I'm joined here by my nefarious co-host, former market maker of 20 years on the infamous House Street, a first-class educator of market profile who is rumored to be Jim Dalton's oracle, (laughs) a man who has more stories than Charles Dickens. You can call his phone number, 1-800-DGEN, when you need your bad trading habits fixed. The proper villain, talking about JJ. JJ, how's it going? Good, Ray. How are you doing? Jeez, you've outdone yourself on that one, I tell you. Oh, man. Well, you know, four shots of espresso, 30 milligrams of Adderall. Uh, that's what you get. And- <laughs> <laughs> so, JJ, we, you know, we had a little bit of craziness last week in the market. How's your trading been since then? Uh, you know, I took a couple of days where I didn't trade for sure. Um, I didn't like the price action. I couldn't see it. Um, and I kind of let let that go by. Um and then, you know, slowly started getting back into it. I found uh, today I was completely not prepared. Um, last night I lacked discipline and didn't do my uh, my prep as well as I should have. And uh, you know, I realized that you know, pretty much early in the day I wasn't seeing things. I was hesitating. I was not looking at things the right way. I was getting fixated you know, on a poor high, for example, and getting very, um, very long biased when I shouldn't have been. So I took a couple hours and started writing out what's going on the market, started uh, going back and looking at references that I should have looked at the night before. So I would have been more prepared. And, uh, you know, then later it improved. I, you know, uh, caught a couple of ones there off the, uh, you know, when inventory got too short and we moved back up. But, uh, you know, it, it happens to a lot of people, your ego, you know, after a while you're, you know, you see the market and you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe I don't need to, you know, oh, I've got it, you know, and, um, and it's a good thing I didn't trade on that. And it it took me about three hours for my brain to actually wake up this morning and see it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that sometimes happens. Sometimes I can see it right away. I know it's going to happen. And then other times I have to wait and, you know, other people in the room, which is great. will see it. You know, people who haven't even been trading using profile to organize order flow, they haven't even been doing it for a couple of weeks and, and they're picking up things that I've missed, which is great, you mm-hmm. know, and I love that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're making the move towards independence for me, which is the goal, right? The goal of me teaching you is to make you independent mm-hmm. and for me to be obsolete. That's the whole goal of this. And, um, you know, I really, uh, you know, I was really, I, I was really happy about that. So, you know, while I wasn't, you know, a rock star trader today, uh, a couple of the newer people in the room were, and, you know, that was great, you know, and they, they exercised good trade management and they managed their expectations on the trade. They knew it wasn't going to be a home run. So it was a little bit of hit and run trading here and there. And they did that. Uh, that's really, that's a really nice thing to see. Mm-hmm, for you know? sure it is. And now are you, are you positive? Like, are you sure that you're, lack of seeing the market develop this morning the way you thought it was a lack of your preparation yesterday or just you know sometimes you know you know how it is just sometimes we don't see it 
Well, there was, I don't, I, I just wasn't with it, you know, I, mm-hmm. and, and I wasn't, you know, like this morning when we sold off, um, you know, I was, I was too focused on the gap fill and not looking towards that, you know, PM rally high from yesterday, which we hit, went one tick below and had a nice responsive right. trade off of that. Right. Mm-hmm. I missed that. I missed that like a, you know, like an offensive tackle missing, you know, you know, or a pulling guard missing the pull. I missed the whole thing, right? <laughs> you know, slow feet the whole nine yards. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't see it coming, and when the quarterback got pancaked, so you know, it, it happens, right? The good thing is that I realize, you know, I had the self realization is like, oh, wait a minute, Peanut, your brain's really not firing on all twelve cylinders, right? Uh, you know, maybe st- take a step back and maybe you're not as smart as you think you are before you put the money on the line. Yeah. So <laughs> that, a, I, I tend to be overcautious and sometimes that really keeps me out of trouble. Sometimes yeah. it keeps me out of good trades too. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, that, that's what I've learned. And then, you know, it kind of recovered a little bit. So we'll see if, uh, you know, it's kind of been a long week too. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, my brain's getting a little tired as Friday comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, this, this is a uh, performance sport, man. You know, we have to come bring our like a game every day, you know, and Definitely. if you don't have it, like you said, yeah. if, if you recognize you don't have it, Hey, take yeah. it easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So good stuff. You know. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so today, uh, we wanted to discuss the Aramco IPO. What you see now has got delayed. I mean, they wanted to roll it out like in November, JJ, but I think yeah, they delayed it right to December, January. Exactly. I mean, for me, this is this is you know this is really cool. They're valuing it at you know one point seven to two trillion dollars. That, that's a lot of cabbage. You yeah. know, even in this unicorn free money environment that we have right now, two trillion dollars is a lot of cabbage. And uh, for me, it's kind of cool because I want to see how the process works. Um, you know, we weren't alive when U.S. Steel went public, and it was the largest corporation to go public, the first billion-dollar, you know, valuation back in the day. Um, so I, I'm curious to see. You know, I guess they're going to uh, IPO it in their domestic market um, mm-hmm. in in Saudi first. Right. And, yeah, right, right. Yeah, and then maybe I've I, I've seen rumors of Tokyo. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'd love to see it on the New York Stock Exchange. That would be very cool. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. Uh, crazy, like, like because they just had uh, what there was an attack on, like two of their facilities, or, or two attacks on one of the facilities. Yeah, that, like, I, I mean, how does that affect? You know what I mean? The bringing this, you know, public. Well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of transparency that their you know investors are going to want to see. Um, and, and people who don't really understand that process, it's pretty cool. What they do is they call it a dog and pony. And when they when they publish their registration statement or their prospectus, it lays out um, you know basically what's going on at the company, what they're going to sell, where the bodies are buried, all that sort of thing. And then they will determine after f- sort of shopping that around, um, you know, they'll determine whether or not they actually will move forward with the IPO if investors are receptive to what they're selling mm-hmm. um you know otherwise they just take their ball and go home um so that 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 it's a very very interesting process and this is sort of the second delay and um we'll see we'll see what happens i'm very very curious you know the, the oil market to me i find you know uh, you know 
the stock market is interesting in futures markets, but the oil market has this sort of air of mystery, you know, hmm. and you read about, you know, you read about characters like Mark Rich and, and guys like that. And, you know, and the, you know, how they, you know, manipulated these markets or made markets or created markets or whatever the heck they did. Um, it's fascinating. There's like this layer of intrigue, you know, all these oil traders hanging out in these, you know, um, hotels in Zurich and Geneva and things like that. You know, you hear about all the stories, especially when I worked trading for Swiss bankers. Um, you know, they would tell me the, you know, there's, there was all sort of like a spy novel kind of wrapped around the oil market, which is kind of cool. You know, there's yeah. always, you know, it keeps things interesting. Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, shout out to all the Saudis out there. You know, <laughs> we ain't trying to be controversial. You know what I mean? So we know where they're listening into us. Now, Jay, how does the volatility, you know, you know, I don't know. And, and we, we don't know. I don't think we know the answers to this. But, you know, I just wanted to ask you because as from somebody now, did you were you involved in IPO deals when like on your time on House Street? Well, yeah, we did. I mean, we did reverse mergers. You know, uh, we didn't actually do the traditional IPO because the the size of the offerings that I worked on were not big enough to you know to have an investment bank do an IPO. Okay. Um, you know, nowadays it's funny when you see companies that are losing all this money. I'm like, well, you know, some of these tiny little <laughs> mining deals. I mean, they actually they actually pulled some gold out of the ground. They had better earnings than some of these large scale deals. But I guess you know the whole thing is now they're trying to sell. Um, you know, oh, it's the vision of the future and, you know, these are unicorns and all this nonsense. But, uh, it, you know, no, we did, what we did was, you know, in the old days, they, they'd take a deal and they'd reverse merge it into a shell company, which is a dormant trading vehicle, which actually has no operating business in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then they'd reverse back the stock, issue new stock to the, you know, the people who, uh, you know, invested and off they'd go. So yeah. yeah, no, no, no IPO, uh, which itself, um, you know, so when I got out of that industry, it was, it was interesting to talk to people who actually, you know, who say been a specialist on the floor of the New York stock exchange who managed that whole process. Right. Um, it's fascinating how that all works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you know, I was, I was reading like, uh, people were questioning, you know, them going public in the first place with them comply, you know, with the compliance laws and rules. Etc. Like, like, how do you think like the volatility, you know, of the country, you know, and even just that region will affect this deal possibly? Well, you know, when, when you do these big deals, um, looking at this from just a sort of black and white point of view, you always look at, you know, do the people who are taking this thing and floating it publicly, do they have um, what it takes to support that stock and they do i mean they have vast vast financial reserves mm -hmm. um you know and um i i wouldn't I, I wouldn't discount them uh what i'm curious to see is how the whole mechanics of it all works out because i'm kind of a stock mechanic right um uh, you know i, I want to see how it's traded there how it's traded on other exchanges um you know it's it's interesting to see um you know how u.s order flow will will work going to that exchange to actually, you know, to, uh, you know, to buy uh, stock. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, uh, you know, because we've had what I, I read that since 2015, there's $20 billion in inflows into the Saudi market. Hmm. Um, 
So I'm, I'm curious. I, I love cl- cross-border trading because I did a lot of trading between Germany and the U.S. Um, when we were selling a lot of stock to Germany in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, now um, crude oil is, uh, what's the symbol? CL, right? Yes. Let's see, now, you've, I, I know you've been looking at it on the TPO charts. How does it, how does it look structurally to you? Uh, the way it looks just you know, I, I do not trade oil, and so I have to preface this. What I like to do is, uh, you know, I, I'm solely an, uh, a mini ES trader, and, and that's how I've learned market profile. But what I've started doing, uh, because other people, you know, have asked me, you know, can you check out this market and look at it? So I started looking at the Russell. I started looking at the crude oil market, uh, some currencies, gold, silver, and I was shocked to see how technically – accurate um profile references are um you know i haven't traded on them yet i've just played around on the simulator to test different theories and things like that um and i just haven't had the time to throw myself in it also i don't know the underlying mechanics of the crude oil market i know the mechanics of the es because it's based on 500 stocks Mm -hmm. and um, you know i know the mechanics of trading and settlement very very well because that's what i used to do so I'm a little bit cautious to just jump in there, but it, right. you know, from what I can tell, you know, I, you know, it's, it's nice because you can look at balance zones, look above balance and fail, come back in and target the opposite end. And, and, you know, these markets are, are very technical. Mm-hmm. It, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it really, I mean, it, it's interesting. I mean, at least I know, I know me and you haven't looked beyond, you know, the ESR. I know you have, like you said, dabbled a little bit, but Jim Dalton says it works for pretty much anything. I mean, he used it for real estate. Like, which is, that's crazy. That's fascinating to me. Um, that is. Yeah. Just one more thing before we move on to the next topic. Uh, and what, what's your take on the whole state of the IPO game? Um, well, it, it's funny, you know, we've seen some IPOs not do so well. Um, you know, we saw WeWork uh, cancel their IPO. And today, uh, the first time I saw people talk about perhaps you know, that company is going to run out of cash and have to go bankrupt. Um, so from having a valuation of $47 billion to this, in a very short period of time, I think people are recognizing that because we have this unicorn, you know, um, nothing but cotton candy and rainbows, free money, um, you know, let's take this cardboard box public, um, you know, I, and I don't mean to insult, you know, the, the Silicon Valley types and, and the entrepreneurs, but, you know, I, I don't know, leasing out office space really didn't seem like that big a deal, um, you know, and letting people, you know, have a cup of coffee. It just, I, I don't know how they were going to change the world, you know, and I might not have the intelligence to figure that out. But, you know, when you're burning through that kind of cash, um you know, it scares the living hell out of me to see these CEOs just burning through cash. Like I, I've I've seen you know stockbrokers high on cocaine that don't spend this kind of money. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, what's the deal? Like, how could you lose three, four, five billion dollars? Where, where is this money going? What are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. Right? I I just uh, you know I sound like the crazy old man that's yelling "Get off my lawn," but I I don't understand how these people are spending this much money. And not producing earnings, and people don't really seem to worry about it. Oh, it'll make money. It will. Don't worry. Okay, you know, um, 
you know, good luck. Um, you know, and then it, it's just, it's, it's just crazy. Um, also worried about the, the narcissistic, um, tendency of some of these CEOs to, you know, have a God complex. Mm-hmm. It, that's a scary thing. I mean that, you know, you're, you're taking OPM, you're taking other people's money, you know, a little humility wouldn't be such a bad thing, you know? Um, Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people would appreciate that a little bit more than, you know, calling yourself uh, some sort of Svengali. <laughs> Svengali. <laughs> all right. Well, so so moving on, uh, we have a fun segment, uh, segment uh, now for all you degenerate listeners. We're calling it Stories from House Street. The infamous House Street the director of Dirty Tricks conducted his business on. So, JJ, what story do you have for us today? <laughs> Well, I, I have a story about a lawyer who was quite a character, who was a client of mine, and um, a character that we shall call the Golden Bear. And uh, the Golden Bear was a guy who grew up in the industry with me. He worked for an old-time mining promoter uh, when I was working in marketing. He went the promotion route. I went the trading route. And, uh, th- you know, there were legends of his exploits on uh, – on House Street, as he would, you know, you know, just, you know, take money out of people's pockets, and he had he had quite gotten quite a bad reputation, and I never had as had him as a client, but you know, we were always friendly because we, you know, we started in the business together. Coming up, uh, he was a big guy from Northern Canada. Um, you you'd look, he looked more like he would be, you know, more comfortable on an oil rig. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but you know, he was squeezed into a suit and selling stock and he did quite well, uh, at it. Um, you know, but he destroyed a few people and that does happen on the street. You know, you take stock from somebody because you got to pay your bills and you sell it instead of generating buying with it. That happens all the time, you know, because zero cost paper always finds the bid. Always remember that. And, uh, so the golden bear one day, um, you know, we were talking and, uh, there was this lawyer who was unfortunately had found himself, um, you know, in, in a wheelchair. And this guy was supposedly a mining stock promoter. And I, I just knew he was kind of sleazy and I didn't want to have anything to do with him. He lived in one of these buildings and operated out of a building where his office and his home were in this, you know, uh, condominium tower where it was really high security. You needed a code to get to his you know, uh, his office and people would come and escort you up and down. And it was the same building that the fugitive financier Rakesh Saxana lived in uh, after Mm -hmm. he stole a couple of hundred million dollars from Malaysia or Thailand or one of those places. So, you know, he had this, and I, and I, and I always kind of avoided doing, having Vancouver clients. Um, you know, we're scheduled to have one of them on another podcast coming up, but there were very few guys in Vancouver that I did business with. I would go drinking with them after the close and they were decent enough guys, but I knew that they would stick me with a debit sooner or later. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because that's just the way it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them, you know, we called them rounders. They were just, you know, they were good time Charlies and, you know, most of their buying never stuck past three days in settlement back in those days. So the lawyer, um, so the penguin wanted to buy a block of stock off this lawyer because he said he was a good criminal. 
and he would move the stock higher, right? This is how the penguin, his due diligence, the fundamentals of the company really didn't matter. What he would do is he would find a good criminal who had to move the stock higher because he had a very, very high lifestyle, two or three girlfriends, a couple of ex-wives, and some houses all over the world, and probably a drug habit that he had to pay for uh, as icing on the cake. So these guys need to move 50, 100, 200, $300,000 worth of stock every month just to pay all the bills, you know, because God forbid they don't drive a Ferrari, right? <laughs> so he had gone to this lawyer's office and he took, dragged me along the penguin. And, you know, next thing you know, this guy becomes a client of mine and I didn't want to take him on as a client. Uh, within the first week, he had loaded me up with $60,000 in debt because he was using the stock he deposited in his account to, uh, you know, and we used that as margin back in those days. And we had 13 days to pay for a trade in Canada, right? As opposed to three in the United States. So you can tell why Canadian, of why U.S. stock promoters loved Canada, right? 13 day settlement. You know, you have 13 days to pay for a stock trade. You can trade that stock 20, 30 different times before, between different houses. So, so it was a T um, plus know, 13. T plus 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so naturally, you know, 13 days is coming due. And, you know, and of course, I can't get this guy on the phone. Right. And I'm like, where yeah. is this guy? And he had this assistant who hated my guts. And this guy just had a bad attitude all the time. So I called him up and I said, listen, you know, uh, where is he? Oh, I go, I'm going to have to sell out the account, which means sell the stock that he deposited plus what he bought and hopefully, you know, get, uh, you know, and hopefully the market doesn't collapse. Otherwise I have to pay, you know, the brokerage firm what, what's owing. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that, but back then in the brokerage industry, uh, when your clients make, you know, make trades and you make commission, you, the brokerage firm takes half. When your clients stick you with a loss, you pay the whole loss. The brokerage mm-hmm. firm does not cover half your loss, right? Mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, their, you know, brokerage firms and, and the retail broker or the trader who had accounts, uh, you know, you're, you're, they're very much like your pimp, <laughs> right? They're, you know, they, they take half, right? And then if it's bad, you take the whole thing. And I was looking at $60,000 that I had to pay off. So I decided, you know, I'm going to sell out the account. And then all of a sudden the golden bear pops up. And says, hey, I hear you're long this thing, and he owes you money. And I'm like, yeah, okay. He goes, well, I'll put some bids up, and you sell into my bids, and I'll take the debit off you. I was like, wow, this is like, you know, generosity. I mean, wow. <laughs> and, and this is a guy who destroys everybody in his path, right? Why is he doing me a favor? Okay, we're right. old friends. You know, I mean, at, I, I was so turned around by the event, and I was so worried about getting this weasel to, to honor his debit and he was ducking me. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I just sold the stock in, into the golden bears bids. And of course he was short the deal. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I sold out the lawyer's account, uh, into his buying, you know, he covered his short probably at a nice profit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and we were friends ever since, you know, and I'd always defend the guy, you know, because, you know, but always remember, folks, that, you know, everybody has an agenda in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though he did help me out, his agenda was to get that stock, and I puked it out uh, way cheaper than this guy would have. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, of course, you know, the lawyer calls me and 
threatens me and all of this stuff, you know, because I sold out his account. But I mean, you know, I, I did what, you know, uh, you know, what was proper accepted protocol, but always remember that there is a, um, there, there is, you know, there's always an agenda. The interesting thing though, about this guy though, is even later in, you know, as deals went on and he'd work on different deals, you know, he, you'd one day get a FedEx and, you know, he'd send me, you know, 50 grand worth of stock for Christmas, you know? Um, so yeah, it was just, you know, he was just one of those characters, right? Oh. And then how street was like that. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Shout out to the golden bear. What's he, what's he yeah. up to these days? I, I hope he's, I, I, I hope he's up to villainous, villainous things, mm-hmm. you know, uh, flying around on his, uh, private jet. Uh, he is a big fan of the private plane. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, certain islands in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's hope he's down there enjoying the best of them. <laughs> yes, well, let's hope so. I, I would love, I would love to have the golden bear on the podcast. We'll have to reach out to him. Uh, a lot of these guys, man, they live in the shadows, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They live in the shadows. They they don't exist. They don't really exist. Uh, definitely not to uh, the tax people and uh, <laughs> tax people, ex-wives, things like that. They, they have a tendency to disappear into the ether. Oh, man. That's funny. That's why that's, that's so, so for all the listeners, that's why JJ doesn't show his face. That's why every person he talks about has a nickname. <laughs> no, no real aliases, of course. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Funny stuff. Good stuff. So jumping back on topic, this is a topic I'm excited to talk about. You know, it, it's something that you know, it is real relevant to me now being a new trader and learning. Now we're talking about managing trade expectations. And I feel like this topic, JJ, doesn't get enough shine. You know, now that I've developed my technical skills, you know, and I still got, you know, I still got a ways to go, but you know, I find my biggest struggles right now are surrounding this topic. So what does managing trade expectations mean to you? Well, a lot of it um, is trying to figure out the type of day that we're having. And that's been kind of tough lately. We've had trend days turn and turn around on us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had, um, we've had gaps and bad structure and, you know, then you get a tweet and that messes everything up. And so it's, it's been kind of hard that way. But what I like to do is when the market opens up within the first five to 15 minutes, it usually starts to tell you what kind of a day it's going to be. The first, the first little bits of what we call market generated information start to flow in. You know, once it gets down to a reference, does it tag that reference to the tick? Does it get front run by a tick or two? Is there responsive buying? Um, the, the sort of the price action back and forth, is it choppy? All of those sorts of things. And then, you know, um, what Peter Resnicek taught me was to look at market internals for context. So sometimes, you know, you might have a balanced day and we might hit the top of balance and, you know, your natural reaction would be to short that and then look for the bottom of balance as your target. But, you know, maybe the selling is really, really light. You know, maybe we are front running certain visual references like halfback or, or even the top of that balance, it might not hit it to the tick. It might stop two, three, four ticks short sometimes, right? So when days are like that, I, I tell people to, you know, not wait for the home run. 
You know, if you see that price action, that is, there's no follow through, right? And after a while, you'll start, you'll start knowing, you know, you know, you have a trade on, but the internals aren't really that strong. The tick's really not that moving. It's kind of moving up slightly, you know, it's kind of, you know, the bid's moving up a little bit. It's, it's creeping along, uh, you know, manage your expectations, especially new traders, you know, learn that that price action means you're not going to get a home run. You might have to take a base hit, but hey, base hits, um, you know, they build the account. Um, and there's a lot of people who say, you know, when you're on a run, press it and things like that, but that's all dependent on the context of the market, right? Mm-hmm. And your risk right. management and things like that. Right. right. You, know? you know, you and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, you know, in, in our tra- trading room, our educational room, it's like, oh, people are like, oh, this is looking like a trend trend day, you know, because you're saying look at it early, try and get an idea of what's going on. But it can also be very tricky, can it? Like, because we've had oh, yeah. days where we thought it was going to be a trend day just for it to, to, to revert. turn around and just and just collapse and just collapse. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah. it's like, how do you because it, it's like everything in context. Right. And this was even something we were talking about today about people having rules and being so strict and rigid. And that sometimes that can be a negative, you know, so how, how do it you is. keep that flexibility to. I don't know because it's tricky. I mean, at least for me, I'm speaking for a newcomer. You know what I mean? No, no, it's it, these it, things, and I'm like, okay, this is the day it is. Yeah. Don't step in front of the train, and then I, you know, I don't. Yeah. I get crap, you know. So, and and that 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 is that that is difficult, and that's something that we work with every single day, uh, mm-hmm. because the market is so dynamic, and any one big order can change your entire thesis. Right? You could be in a trade that's working really, really well. But if a clearing firm is shutting down and selling out a massive position or a prime brokerage is in trouble or some trader has fat fingered something, you know, you, you could, you know, you, you have these extraneous events that you have no control over and you have no idea that they're going to happen. Right. So especially in a market like this, I have noticed and I haven't been trading retail that long. Okay. But what I have noticed is that it's changed drastically in four or five years. Right. I was doing a little bit before the change of the administration. Now we have someone in the White House who tr- who tweets a lot. This last couple of days, he's been kind of quiet. Right. Um, and so the thing is, the reactions to those tweets get picked up by algorithms that parse maybe the first two words of a tweet. And then, boom, they execute so fast, um, it makes your head spin. So you know, it, you have to use stops in this market, um, especially newer traders. I know a lot of experienced older traders don't like using stops and stuff like that. Hey, do your thing, man. But for newer traders and especially the people in my room with smaller accounts, use stops because the market is very news sensitive. It is hard to trade. It's a bit of a challenging environment right now. We don't have pure balance. We don't have set trading ranges. Our trading ranges are massive. They're like 40, 50 points on the S&P here and there. Um, so it is it is a little bit hard. And, you know, I was uh, like, for example, I, I, I was talking to a young guy today and he's 22 years old and he's been studying trading for three years. He's not profitable. Um, you know, and he told me, look, I want to quit my job and trade full time. I'm like, whoa, 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 don't do that. I go, he go, he goes, well, I said, well, maybe if you do that, you know, you want to have like maybe two or three years of living expenses in the bank, not including the capital that you're trading with. And he was like, what? It's not going to take a few months. And I'm like, no, it's not. 
You know, it, it's not going to take a few months. You are not going to be profitable. I, I'm sure there are people who maybe there are. I haven't really heard of a lot of people who have started doing this and immediately got profitable and stayed profitable. Um, you know, other than, you know, the, uh, the YouTube videos with the guy lounging on the, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, he's got his bearskin rug on the Lamborghini and he's lounging on it. You know, I mean, other than it's, that, it's, dude, it's, it's alpaca actually. Oh, alpaca. Yeah, yeah. I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah. But you know, other than, other than that dude, I, I don't really know of anybody who's, who's, you know, off the cuff right away trading and making money yeah. uh, consistently. Um, right. And it, you know, and in if you are, kudos, great. Uh, but I, that you know, I, the patience part of this thing, because I said, look, you're 22 years old, you got 50 years of trading ahead of you, right? <laughs> I mean, you could, you know, it's not, it's not labor intensive. It's not like you're breaking rocks, right? Or digging ditches or something like that. So when you're 70 years old, you could still be sitting at a computer trading. So, you know, it is a very long marathon, and the only thing that that really helps you sort of gauge when to take a trade, when to manage yourself out of a trade, when, when is watching price action. There is no substitute for screen time in this business. Um, You know, because once you start looking at how price behaves, it's one thing to have a level, right? And that's why I don't, you know, sell levels or I don't um, call out trades is because, Today, what if I called out trades and it was wrong and my whole room lost money, right? I would rather have you see the market. And the nice thing was, this is the cool thing, right? Even though that I was calling out sort of nuances and things that were going on, people took that and were able to use and use that information usefully, you know, to, to trade well with proper risk and proper. I didn't feel comfortable myself trading. But it's nice that, you know, the information that we were talking about and the way we talk through a market, you know, like we talk it out, you know, and, and we discuss it. And that sort of really helps people grasp the concept of structure and, and how price behaves at different, you know, structural points. It's, it's fascinating. I'm still blown away by it, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 Daisy, now, that, now that you're teaching people how to trade, guiding them along what based on your experience what do you think is the biggest struggle for people managing uh managing trade uh what i what i see and this is just what i've seen in the last eight weeks is that uh, there and 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 i've seen this i saw this right away when we started the room right and less so now right and but the first thing i saw that people were looking at every trade like a lottery ticket right? This trade, I'm going to retire, right? You know, this trade is going to pay my mortgage and buy me a new Bentley today, right? I'm going to make 20 handles on, I'm going to do four trades today and they're all going to make 20 handles, right? So they have these unrealistic expectations and that's okay, right? Because I had that too. It's until you, you know, until the market starts talking to you and you listening and being able to decipher it, right? You know, it's like getting into a car and not looking at the gas gauge. You know, you're trying to go to Ve- from Vegas to Los Angeles, but you only got an eighth of a tank of gas. It's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Right? So your internals are telling you, okay, you know, you might be long here off this counter rotation or off this inventory imbalance, 
but you know the buying here off the low is just going to be short covering and there's going to be nothing behind it so make sure you know you you take your handle to handle or you know points as we call them handles yeah. you know take two or three and get the heck out yeah you know uh, yeah. And, and don't complain about it because that's the market you're given to trade today mm-hmm. tomorrow the breath might be 10 to 1 positive and you might have a 40 point trend day but hey right now right it's just kind of back and forth right right, right? so yeah so so having new so t- newcomers not going for the home run so that's your biggest yeah thing you know, they're, they're not they're not lottery tickets right. and and remember when you're starting out you know people are like let your winners ride and you know move your point you know like move your stop to break even right well no take some profit you know with these small accounts right you know take take that point right it'll build up your confidence at first yeah. right because otherwise it's going to come back and stop you out and you're going to lose money. Mm-hmm. Right. So slide your stop up with it. That's what I tell people anyway. Right. right. A lot of people don't believe in that, but pay yourself. It is a business, right? You know, uh, if you were at a store selling something, you know, and somebody came in and wanted to buy it at a certain price and they were a penny or two off, chances are you're going to sell it to him or, or that person. Right. You know, if you're selling donuts for five bucks a piece and they're coming in and bidding you four ninety nine, sell the donut. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, don't be cheap over a penny. Right, right, right. Take that money, build your account, mm-hmm. build up your database of experience with price action, because that's basically what we're doing every day that we look at this thing. Right, it's like our brains are databases, and the price action. There are different types of price action, right? And different types of market dynamics. And and we absorb all that information on a daily basis. So just, you know, we're loading our database every day. So the next time you see it, and then you see it two or three times, you're like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. And then you can react, mm-hmm. you know? But it, that takes time. That that does take time. And you have to be you have to be a little kind and patient to yourself in that in that meantime. So, so when you trail your stops, wh- how much in the green are you looking to be before you trail your stops? Cause you know, I've had times where, you know, like that, that's the confusing part to me. It's like, Oh, I'm up a point. Do I trail my stop up to, you know what I mean? Like, do I wait till I get to three points? You know, I know it depends, but what's, so, what do you normally find yourself? No, it, dep- it, it depends on the context. If you're looking at a situation like that, you're up a point and you've got like positive 1.08, New York breath and maybe negative NASDAQ breath, right? And the action's slow and the range is tight. You might only get a point, you know? Um, you know, you might not get, you know, if you're buying overnight, you know, say you're you're buying the point of control, it might not get to value area high, right? It might not have enough gas. Yeah. They might step in and sell the hell out of value oh, area. Yeah, see, you know, this is this right? is the it is this is the frustrating this is the part. Thing. This is the frustrating part about trading, you know, like it is. It's like almost like like with poker, like you know, at least poker developed to a point to where it's like it's very mathematical based, but like complex math, right? You know, like oh, you do this sixty percent of the time in a situation, and this thirty percent of the time, right? So you you don't have two options. I know I, this is what I can do. Yeah. I just have to figure out the frequency. Now with trading, it's like well, uh, you know, it's the context, and it's this, yeah. and like ooh, it's that. I'm like damn, like I just you know, it, it, it's yeah. It, yeah, it's tough, and I see why it takes a long time to develop into a profitable trader. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, you know, I find that stuff, you know, trailing the stops. Now I do think it's very beneficial OJ. You know what I'm saying? I, I think it's like, cause it hurts so much being green in the trade and then you getting stopped out in the red. 
He'll you know, and, and you know, for guys, there there are guys who who will berate me and say that I'm giving bad advice to do that. But when you're a brand new trader, there there's nothing wrong with booking some wins, right? Because especially in in this market, right? You know, you you could be up, you know, you could be up four or five handles, right? Why don't you trail your stop at least to book three of those? Yeah, right. Because he could tweet, and that whole thing could be reversed in a second. Right. You know, and it's, it's just the environment. Like we're on a walking on eggshells environment in this market. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you have to protect your gunpowder. Right. And if you have wins, there's not, there's no shame in booking small wins when you're, when you're a new trader. Hell, I don't think there's a, any, any shame in booking small wins ever. Right. You know, right. Right. Uh, it's just, it, it depends on the market. When we get that nice, beautiful flowing order flow, where you can see, you know, that there's secondary waves of buying, you know, then, then, you know, and then by that time, you know, the markets have changed, you know, those things might come back, you know, when you get that nice follow through, right. We had a trend day a couple of days ago and I couldn't even recognize it. It's been so long since we had a proper trend day. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I find find it harder to trade sometimes because it's like, you know, it's like just trending, trending. And I'm like, oh, it's already come up so far. I don't want to jump on or, you know, the reverse, the reverse, you know, of it. But um, and then there's that inventory adjustment when it stops one time framing. And then you're wondering, is this an inventory adjustment or are they going to sell it off? Because sometimes they have sold it off. So this market, you know, the market's doing its job. Its job is to separate us from our money and keep us guessing. It is doing a fabulous job of that. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of job are we doing? Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. That's what matters. Now, let me let me ask you a question. You tell me what I can do to fix this, right? I'm finding, at least lately, right? I, I feel like I started off pretty well trading, you know, right, right from the get-go. You know, and it could have been sheer luck, you know what I mean? And I'm sure luck did play a factor into it. Now I've been, you know, a little bumps in the road, and I'm starting to notice that my losses are bigger than my wins. Okay. Is it, you know, and I know it's a small sample size, right? This is only the past couple of weeks. What what could that be? What could be the symptoms? Uh, Maybe a little overconfidence. Mm -hmm. Um, See, I never had that. I never had it when I started and and I automatically, because I noticed with you when you started trading, you started booking wins right away, right? Um, And and that was one thing I noticed that you you weren't losing a lot on a lot of trades. You were very patient and you would wait to trade. Um, and, and, and I've heard of that, but it's never happened to me. So, um, because I, I got, I got annihilated, you know, from the get go, right. I started retail trading. It was like, lose, 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 lose. I'm like, what the hell? Right. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, and it, it, it took my ego down a few pegs, you know, uh, and you're like, wait a minute, I can't trade my way out of a wet paper bag. What the hell's going on here? So uh, it's completely different, but I would think that would be a little bit of overconfidence and what you might want to do. And here's the other thing Mm -hmm. you might want to just kind of chill on the trading for a bit and watch price action until you get back into it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then maybe, you know, also start. Jay, Jay, I already got pricked with the needle, man. I can't go back now. Oh no, you got to go back. Right. This is is not, you know, the the problem, the problem about progress in trading is it's not linear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And anything, this, Mm -hmm. this stuff is not linear. It's not, 
just go straight up. It's go up, go sideways, go back down, go up. You know, it's like snake. It's like snakes and ladders, right? Um, and you kind of got to get into the groove of, oh man, you know, this week eh, maybe I am not so smart, right? Maybe I'm not seeing it. The market has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, you will notice that the market has changed since the China talks, right? Price action's a little different. You know, we have these gaps. We break higher. We hold higher. Value's higher. You know, we're spending time at higher prices. Um, you know, but there isn't that big push, that big push of follow-through buying, right? It's sort of a creepy kind of, you know, it's kind of creeping up the stairs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to understand, when I started, the price action was great. I was making, you know, after I discovered profile and a little bit about it, I started making money, right? Uh, they were smooth. There was follow through buying. And then they started like really with the heavy with the algos. And I got chopped up like a chopped salad, right? Because it was back, it was up one, down two, sideways three. I was like, what is this? You know, it's like, um, it, it was horrible. So uh, I understand, you know, you have to understand markets change. You have to adapt with them. And sometimes when, when, when the price action changes, when you have experience, you'll go, oh, there's something odd about this price action, right? Something won't sit right with you. And then you'll watch how price behaves around a very visual reference. And usually lately for us, it's been stopping at a reference and reversing, right? And sometimes that reference gets front run. So it shows that, you know, there's a good responsive buy or a responsive sell off that level. And today that didn't happen so much. And that kind of screwed a lot of people up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the nature of the order flow had changed a little bit. So that, that you know, that's that, that's why we get paid the big bucks, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. we, have to, we have to figure this thing out on a daily basis, right? And, um, you know, agendas change, right? Well, you know, that's what keeps it interesting, though. You know, every day is something different. You got to keep up with it. Yeah. Definitely better than a routine, same old thing. Okay. I got, I got, uh, I want to run a theory. Oh, and another, mm-hmm, go ahead. oh, sorry. And another thing. And if you take a break and start trading again, size down, right? Uh, keep your size small until you get comfortable and you're seeing it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Absolutely. Sorry. All right. I got a theory I want to run by you. Tom, I, want to, I want to see what you think about it. So, once a trade is over, right? And I'm talking about like end day, right? You make a trade, whether you win or lose, forgetting about the trade right then and there. And then, you know, you can go back and review it later. I, I think like I found myself like focusing, like, you know, as soon as the trade's over, I'm starting like to analyze it already. And then I think whether it's good or bad, it kind of disrupts my flow oh. in the day. Okay. You, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's like, okay. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like, okay, forget about it keep your focus. Okay. Then I can review this after the day. Cause especially, I mean, especially the bad trades, cause I'll go yeah. on tilt. I'll be like, Oh, I should yeah, have yeah. seen this, blah, blah, yeah, blah. And then yeah, I'm pissed. Yeah. I got to go walk outside and yeah. then I come back and it's like, Oh, I missed a good trade Yeah, I because know. of my inability yeah. to stay calm. Yeah. And- that is uh, that tilting uh, mechanism. When you have a couple of losers, um, it's funny because I, that used to happen to me. And now it doesn't so much, and I'm not sure what's changed. That's experience. It comes from right? experience. It, it's, yeah. it's ex- maybe it's experience. It's maybe maybe the longer I live, 
the more I see that so much of the little things don't matter. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. You know, it, it's, it, and, and I think I'm so focused um, on, on looking how the structure develops uh, where I used to lose focus and I'd, I'd look at internals or I'd look at, um, you know, and I'd start like looking around and where did I go wrong? I'll, I'll just, I'll go right back to profile. I'll go back to profile and I'll start writing out. Okay. So we had a bad trade. Great. Um, you know, lost a little bit of money, lost five ticks, six ticks, whatever. Um, what's going on now? Okay. What changed? Right. Um, they could be just, you know, some, some stray order flow knocked you out of, out of your position, right? That does happen. But then what I'll do is I'll start going, okay, value is overlapping to higher or values gap higher point of controls up here. We're pulling back here. Are there any references on the left that I missed? That's what happened today with me. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I read this a couple of days ago and it said, simplicity will bring lasting success. Mm-hmm. Cut out 90% of the stuff that's going through your head and focus, yeah. right? And and I've kind of been doing that almost by – I haven't really – I didn't really do it consciously, but as I keep falling into these charts and into this market, I I keep doing that more and more subconsciously that I'm just so zoned in on profile. Um, you know, I'll forget to eat lunch. Or things like that. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, right? But it, it that's where the shift came from because I would like, oh my God, I like I missed this trade or I screwed up this trade and it caused me to miss this one. And now these are just like random events. Like there's always going to be another trade, right? Mm-hmm. And I think because I've been retail trading longer now and looking at it, I realized that every day there's an opportunity. There's some at night. Maybe there isn't today, mm-hmm. right? Meh. You know? Like, you know, there, it's like you go fishing and there's no fish biting, right? You, you really can't get mad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just no fish that day. Eh, you know, you shrug it off and you come back to the pier the next day. Right, right. So, and you, you, I don't know, but I'm like, I'm 50 and you're, you know, you're 30, you're under 30. So, you know, there is, you know, you have a lot more, you know, energy than I do, right? Mm. And so, I, and I'm, I'm kind of at a point, like the other thing too with my health and, um, you know, and that sort of thing, uh, you kind of start not really taking life as seriously as you used to, mm-hmm. right? And, and maybe I'm not taking myself as seriously, and that kind of helps, right? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be in the room and I'll laugh at myself. I'm like, oh, I missed that one, you know, and to be able to laugh at it, it kind of reduces the stress of the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of enjoy the process, right? Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I love the market. I love learning about markets. I love learning about the mechanics of the market. Um, you know, and that sort of helps me get over the frustration, right? Right. And right. it's like this always constantly evolving puzzle that we're like trying to figure out, right? You know, um, exactly. No, that's great advice. Yeah. No, I mean, especially not taking yourself serious and just like understanding this is a really, I mean, especially starting out and being new. Oh, and, yeah. you know, at least I had the, you know, I feel uh, in my stage of development, and like I went through the whole process of learning poker and how hard that was for me to get to a point to where I could be profitable and do it as a profession. And so I have no like grand delusions of learning this, that I know this is going to be tough. I know this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a struggle and, you know, and just, just, just enjoying the process, like you said. So I, I thought that was 
phenomenal advice. All right. And uh, with that, we're going to jump into the listener questions. And so everyone listening out there, obviously, ask us any type of questions. Leave it in the comments on Twitter. We put a thread up every week. You can leave it in the YouTube comments, uh, DM us, whatever. We enjoy answering your questions, trading-related, non-trading-related, personal, whatever. So today, our first question comes from at Bel Air Trader. My man, Ray, this time I have a question for our lovely at VWAP Trader 1. Many times I got in a trade that could have been profitable, but I end up scratching it because I don't want to lose and the market takes time uh, to go. Any idea how to overcome that? Thanks, guys. Uh, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I know exactly what you're going through. <laughs> and the only thing that helped me was learning the structure. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, you wonder whether the trade location is right. You think about it. Uh, once you learn what helped me, now this is just the way my brain sees information, was when I could see structure, when I could see that shorts are trapped or longs are trapped, that sort of thing, and I trade, you know, you know, take the counter trade to that. Um, I had more confidence to stay in the trade, uh, not because of the internals, uh, but because of what the structure was telling me, um, you know, when we stop one time framing, when single prints fill, all these tiny little things, once I started getting comfortable with them, and then I started seeing that over and over and over again, you put your, you know, you using, you know, using structure to trade, as Jim Dalton says, you know, using a structural entry, a structural stop, and a structural target, and varying that target depending on the context of the day and, uh, you know, managing your expectations, depending on what the market's doing, that really helped. And that is a function of time. Um, you know, what you need to do is you need to maybe, if you're in and out and in and out, maybe just stop and watch the market for a while, make some notes, find out, you know, look at, look at areas that you're interested and watch how price behaves. This is another big thing. When you see and you start figuring out the way price behaves at where you're going to take that trade, and the way to do that is not take the trade, just watch, right? Look at look at how price, you know, if you're buying at 50 and it hits 50, does it slice right through 50 and go to 45? Does it slice through 50, go maybe down a couple of pennies and then bounce back up? Does it go through 50, spend a little time down there and go back up? Or does it not even get to 50 and bounce right before? right? Is it front run? You know, that'll tell you what kind of sellers are in the market. That'll tell you, you know, um, that, that sort of thing. And, and the more you start looking at that, the, the behavior of price, because remember, we don't trade price, we trade, we trade value, but we, we look at how price behaves. And, and that is the biggest thing that took me time. Whereas like, you know, I, I knew this level and then I'd see it and I'd go, oh, I missed it. You know, but I wasn't paying attention to how price was behaving because I was so nervous about taking the trade that I forgot to look at how the price was behaving. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. Right. But after a while, you'll start seeing it. And on the days you don't see it, don't trade. Right. Repetition. Mm -hmm. It's repetition. Yeah. Repetition. Shout out to Money Mo, Bel Air Trader. Make sure you put the powdered sugar on his crepe. <laughs> next, 
Next question comes from at Erica D Realty. I've been really struggling with this one. Is cereal soup? Hmm. Uh, That's all yours, buddy. Uh, n- I mean, I guess it's interesting. I mean, I would say no, right? Soup is hot. Soup is warm. Cereal has uh, Except, what is it? Vichy Soise is supposed to be a cold soup. Oh, v- soup. Vichy Soise? I don't know. Yeah. We're going to have to ask our uh, our friend Mo. I don't know. Is it French? I don't know. Uh, obviously, yeah. So anyway, uh, that that's all I know about the soup thing. What an odd question. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, we take any questions. But no, sir, I would say no because soup is hot and or soup is warm. Okay. But yeah, shout out to Erica D. Realty uh, for the question. <laughs> and go away. Uh, yeah, she uh, – <laughs> I, I know her. She she does realty down here. Um, I guess, I guess so shout out. <laughs> so yeah. So shout out shout out to her realty. You know, company. You need a house. Hit her up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next question is from Codester. Um, I'd like to hear about market makers' secret signals they flash at each other on level two, like the famous nine eleven bid ass signal. Is this real or myth? You know, I, I don't know about the 9-11 bid-ask signal. We did used to communicate in the old days, but that's 25 years ago. And most market-making is electronic now, and it's run by, you know, either, um, you know, Citadel, um, you know, or Virtue, or these big, massive firms. That that sort of stuff. The old collusion between market-makers isn't, isn't so prevalent anymore. Um, yeah, but those were the good old days, you know. You, you know, you, you, because market makers uh, at big market making firms, their phone calls were recorded, so you couldn't, um, you know, mm. there were certain things you couldn't say on the phone. So, you know, if I was talking to Night Securities in the old days, because I knew the boys, and you know, I'd spent time drinking with them in the city, um, you know, if they had a big seller and I wanted to find out who the seller was, um, you know, if it was an offshore seller, they would cough twice, you know. Uh, that, that sort of thing, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, or, uh, you know, it's like, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, the sellers, they'll go, oh, it's really cold today. It's really cold, which means the seller's coming from Canada, you know, mm. if they're not doing a deal. So that, you know, those things we kind of did in the old days and, you know, you'd put a six, six, six on the old level too, um, you know, sometimes to joke around with people and stuff like that, but nothing, you know, that, that stuff isn't really prevalent anymore. All right. All right. Shout out to Codester for the question. And uh, that's, all, that's all we got today for listener questions. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. And uh, just a reminder to everybody out there, if you guys haven't already rated and reviewed our podcast, we'd really appreciate that. Thank you very much. JJ, parting thoughts? Uh, not really. Just, you know, this market's getting interesting. Be careful out there. And... Uh... You know, let us know if you uh, if you have any questions or if you need help with anything. If uh, if you're blowing yourself up, stop trading. Give us a call. You know, we'll try and we'll try and get you back. And if we can't, we have lots of resources around us. We have lots of really great people like uh, Canny and uh, you know the gents over in England. You know, they'll tear. You know, they'll take the top off your head and give you a tune up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, you know, reach out if, if, if you need help. Absolutely. So for the director of dirty tricks, I'm Paulie Walnuts. You guys stay safe out there.
Have a good night, everyone.